I'm Sarah, and this is my daughter and my co-host, Allegra. You may know my mom from the Mom Hour. On this show, we talk about the books, shows, podcasts, and music that our family enjoys together, plus how we discover great media for kids and how we consume it. We also talk about other fun stuff like board games, tablet games, and movies. Today's episode is all about getting travel inspiration from the media we consume. Come on, Mom. Let's get started. Hey, it's episode 32, and as you just said, we're doing... The travel inspiration that we get from media, so like books and TV shows and movies. Yeah. And we had this idea because, well, I think everybody listening probably has noticed that the world is opening up a teeny bit, depending on, you know, where you live and how vaccinated and how comfortable you are. Um, We had an out-of-town visitor for the first time, and then we went on a little getaway, um, just you, me, and dad. Yeah, that was so fun. It was a little weird to be in a hotel, wasn't it? Yeah, that was weird. It wasn't. And it still felt very pandemic-y. There wasn't a lot going on. But we know this summer coming up, people are starting to travel again. And I think everybody post-pandemic is going to have major wanderlust. Do you know that term? I can kind of figure out what it means, but I've never heard it before. Yeah, it's all one word, wanderlust. And yeah, you can figure it out. It means you have the urge to go somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So we thought it would be fun today just to talk about the idea of travel and how the books we read and the shows we watch kind of inspire us to get out there in the world. Before we dive in, we are welcoming back Ana Luisa as our sponsor today. Yeah. Ana Luisa, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, has earrings, necklaces, and rings that are all beautifully crafted and ethically made. So Allegra, that means they offset 100% of the carbon emissions related to the production of their jewelry. And you know, you're coming up in a time where that kind of sustainability and responsibility is really important. So I think it's really cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that a lot of jewelry manufacturing creates unnecessary waste, but Ana Luisa produces their pieces with limited batches with the highest production standards, and new designs come out every Friday, so you can always see what's new on their site. Right now, Ana Luisa is offering our listeners 10% off when you use the link right in our show notes. And since their pieces start at $39, they're already really affordable. I love the Mara Onyx ring, which is adjustable, so that's cool, so you don't even need to know your ring size. It's got a big black oval stone set in 14 karat gold, so it dresses up any casual outfit instantly. And I love wearing my Sia earrings, which look like little gold safety pins in my ears. They're lightweight and I can even sleep in them, and they're not irritating to my ears at all. Plus, they're just a little different from everything else I have. If you want to treat yourself or your daughter or any other special person in your life to a beautiful necklace, ring, or pair of earrings, visit our special link to get 10% off. It's www.com. A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, that's analuisa.com slash kidlit. And that link is also right in our show notes. Yep, that's www.analuisa.com slash kidlit to save 10%. All right, Allegra, before we talk about the books and shows that inspire us to travel, I thought it would be fun just to even remind ourselves where we've been because it's been so long. So what are some places that you have traveled to in your 13 years? Um, so I've been to Hawaii, Washington, D.C. I've been to Chicago. We go to Rhode Island in the summer. I've been to San Francisco and Portland. Yeah, that's a pretty good list. I would say that's a lot of U.S. cities in several yes. parts of the country. I'm noticing there's nothing in the south of the United States in You're that right. list. It's the West Coast, the East Coast, mm-hmm. the Northeast, the Northeast. 
Yeah. In the Midwest. Yes, but nothing in the South. Yeah, you haven't been to Florida or Texas or Atlanta or North Carolina, anywhere like that. Yeah. Lots of traveling left to do for you. And you have never been to another country. Is that correct? I'm asking you as your mother. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) I have not secretly been away. Overseas. (laughs) Yes. I was trying to think of Canada or Mexico, but I don't think so. I went to Canada when I was pregnant with you, but that's about it. And Ireland, actually, when I was pregnant with you. Okay, well, I have obviously been all of those places because I've been with you. You didn't come to Washington. Oh, no, we went to Washington, D.C., and then I went again with more and more. Yes, you've been to D.C. and Virginia twice. One time I was with you and one time. And and actually, you've been more than Washington, D.C., because you traveled quite a bit out into Virginia, too. Um, okay, well, I've been to all those places, plus England and Ireland and Scotland, and I've been to Italy and France. I've been to a few other European countries, but very briefly, Germany and Switzerland. I think that's it. There's there's quite a few places in Europe I have not been, like Spain and Greece and Portugal. And so I have been a little bit around Europe, but mostly England, Ireland, Italy, and France. Um, I've been to New York and, and Boston and um, lots of short trips to cities around the U.S. I won't name them all, um, including, you know, parts of all, all different parts of the U.S., but there's lots of places I haven't been yet either. And of course, nobody's traveled anywhere in the last year and a half. So the last place I traveled, well, we all went to Portland in the um, winter before COVID. And then I was in Nashville and Orlando, I think, right before COVID in that fall of 2019. So yeah, ready to get back out there. So what are some places you would like to visit in the future? Um, well, I'd really love to go out of the country. I've always been interested in other countries, like international. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to go to England. I've always been interested in England for some reason. Um, I want to go to New York and maybe a Spanish-speaking country, too, because I'd like to practice my Spanish. Yeah. What about Guatemala? Yeah, Um. that seems like the most obvious place to go for a Spanish-speaking country because of how often my grandparents go there. Yeah, they do. So that's a that's an achievable. Actually, I have been to Guatemala. I didn't put that in my list. I oh. went there my senior year of high school. Um, and that's the only Central American. I have been to Mexico, but um, I've also been to Guatemala. I've never been anywhere further south. So nowhere else in Central America or South America. You know, going to Australia would be fun, too, now that I think about it. Yeah, I hear great things. I think we even have a list. I know we have listeners in Australia, so maybe we can come visit you listening. Would you be able to be on an airplane for like 70 hours? It's not really 70. <laughs> um, If I didn't get sick on the plane from like looking down, I could read or watch stuff. Yeah, I don't think you get air sick too much anymore. No. Yeah. I used to get really sick when we land. Yeah. The idea of a 16 hour plane ride or whatever it actually is, is very intimidating to me. Maybe we could do it like we could go. There's nowhere to go in the middle. That's No, the we could go from here to either. Um, Where? I'm, I'm no, really. <laughs> OK, so it depends which way we're flying. Let's say we're flying to France. Let's say we're flying to France. Oh, yes. France. When you go that way, you can have stopovers. Okay. I thought you, you were going to tell Australia. me how to get to Australia without yeah. a really long flight. I'm so we go to Russia? No. <laughs> <laughs> we fly to Alaska and stay in Alaska for a couple of days. We fly to Russia and then we fly to 
um, India, and then we fly to Australia. Well, that's and we stay a couple of days each month. Indirect. So we, that <laughs> we, is... we, and we get to go to Alaska, Russia, and India, or somewhere else um, before Australia. Yeah. Well, okay. That sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you, my plan. <laughs> but you could break up the long flight. I agree. Yes. If you if you did that, okay. Uh, well, I have lots of places I would like to visit. Um, in the continental United States, some places I have not been. Um, there's places like on the Atlantic coast, like North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, Charleston is supposed to be really beautiful. There's a, there's just like a whole section of the mid Atlantic and Southeast that I haven't spent a lot of time in that I think would be really fun. Um, I would like to go overseas again. I would love to go to Spain. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I, I could be convinced to go a lot of different places. It feels like not quite yet. I don't feel quite ready yet, but, um, it's exciting to think about. So let's talk about books a little bit. Um, you obviously you read a lot. I know you've read a lot of historical fiction, not so much recently, but the last few years. And that's different because you can't go back in time as we've discussed. Yes. But sometimes those books are still they take place in a place that still exists, even yes. if the time was different. So are there any books that really made you want to go somewhere? Or you could answer it more generally. When you read about a book, when you read a book that's set somewhere else, does it make you kind of want to travel to that place? Um, yeah. So I read a book. Um, I've read a couple books that have made me want to go to England. Um, Murder is Bad Manners is set in a boarding school in England. And... Time Traveling with a Hamster and What Not to Do If You Turn Invisible are both set in England. Are they London or other parts of England? Other parts of England. Oh, interesting. I don't know where. Like countryside? Seaside. Oh, interesting. I think. Pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm not really sure on that one. Okay. Also, this one is historical fiction, but um, The War That Saved My Life, which Mm -hmm. is was one of my favorite books ever, um, is set in Kent. It's like a countryside, like little small mm-hmm. town, mm-hmm. but of course in World War II, so probably might be bigger today. Yeah. Um, and either in Kent or just outside of Kent. And they live in London and then go out yeah. on a train. I We'll get to this when we get to the things we watch, but I mean, anything with a little English village pretty much has me has me hooked. Um, what else have you read that makes you want to go someplace? Um, I really want to go to New York because, well, I want to go to New York and I was thinking of books that are set in New York and, um, Stacy in the Babysitter's Club lives in New York and they go to New York and. Oh, to visit her? Yeah. Does she go there to be with her dad or something? I think so. Yeah. She moved, she moves from New York and then moves back. Oh, Okay. Um, okay, well, I'll jump in with New York because that was a big part of my growing up is I any book set or actually any movie or TV show set in New York has always kind of had my heart. And I've actually been to New York several times. I mean, I have been to the city and I've walked around and I've stayed with friends. And so it should have kind of lost its magic for me. But in my mind, it's like New York is a fake place that only exists in books and movies. And I think I just read and like the place you go is somewhere different. Yeah. And I think I just read so many books set in New York City um, from childhood on up. And the whole idea of like living in an apartment 
and like going down the elevator and walking everywhere is just so different from how I grew up that it just, it's not so much that I want to travel there because I actually have traveled there. It just feels like, like romantic, yeah. not in the romance sense, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny about that is I grew up here in Santa Barbara, which as you know, is a very beautiful part of California that to a lot of people all around the country where we live feels fake and magical because we can see the ocean from most of our town. Like we, you know, we live in a place that looks like a picture postcard. And so it's funny that I have that same feeling about New York and, and in some, to some degree surrounding areas. Like I remember reading books that would take place like in the Hamptons or in Brooklyn, like New York adjacent places, or even in Boston. And it just, they felt like, like unreal. Like it only, this is only exists in a movie or in a book. So I still feel that way a little bit. And yeah, it always makes me want to travel to those, those big walkable cities. Um, another book that made me really want to go to a place is the book called The Library Book by Susan Orlean. It's a nonfiction book, but it digs in so, in so much detail about the Central Library in downtown Los Angeles, which is only an hour and a half, two hours from where we live. Um, but that book really made me want to go to the place she was writing about. Um, and that's a nonfiction book. But yeah, um, I definitely I definitely can get the travel bug based on things I've read. Um, other other books set in Ireland or Scotland, especially if they're set in kind of small towns, um, is another one that feels feels like it would be fun to travel there. Um, should we talk about movies and shows? Yeah. Well, in some ways, this is more obvious because you can actually see the places, right? Yeah. Um, I can start. and Yeah, sure. I, I mean, there's some... The obvious one would be watching anything that is actually meant to make you want to go to a place like a travel documentary or something that's really set in a place. Um, recently, Dad and I watched Stanley Tucci's um, food documentary about Italy. I think it's called Discovering Italy. I'll link it up. But it's um, produced by CNN and um, hosted by Stanley Tucci, the actor. And it's interesting because it was filmed. Part of it was filmed before COVID and part of it was filmed mid or, you know, I guess we're not really post COVID yet, but Italy had a terrible time early in the pandemic. So that part was kind of interesting. Um, but he goes to different regions of Italy and samples the food and talks to the people. And I think anything with food and culture and then seeing the, seeing the towns and stuff. I mean, I could probably want to go literally anywhere if I watch a documentary like that. The other one we watched that was kind of like that was the um, and you watched some of the episodes with us uh, starring Padma Lakshmi, um, the host of Top Chef. But she went around the United States talking to different cities and different um, immigrant communities talking about basically immigrant food that has shaped American cuisine. And that one was really good, too. That one is called Taste the Nation. So, yeah, I guess for me, if if there's uh, a well-filmed documentary that involves food and culture, I will want to go to there almost no matter where it's from. So what about you? What have you watched that's made you want to go to there? So I think at the beginning of COVID, when I was still on Zoom school, maybe, I can't quite remember the timing, but we lived in this house. I watched this show called The Aquarium. And it's about like the behind the scenes of the Georgia Aquarium, which is one of the biggest aquariums in like the Northern Hemisphere or something, something like that. And um it was really cool. It made me want to work in an aquarium for a short amount of time. 
Um, and so, yeah, I want to go to the Georgia Aquarium or an aquarium in general. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I watched the documentary Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. Um, and I made me want to go to a big concert with a bunch of people jumping around and singing. <laughs> it's not really a travel destination, but I guess it is a little bit. It is. Because they don't just have them in your neighborhood. And no, you, you, you have to go somewhere. You have to go somewhere to a big arena concert um, or a big music festival. So, yeah, put that on your bucket yeah, list. I, I, yeah, I really want to do that, especially one by Billie Eilish, because that's all I listen to right now. Yep. Um, also, we watched The Amazing Race, which we've talked about before a couple times. And so just all of those places sound really cool. They show you lots of like in-depth of each country and stuff you pro- might not see if you just go. Yeah. And they're doing like challenges and, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're in very, I don't know, kind of difficult or crowded or difficult to navigate places. Um so it's not yeah. glamorous. It's not like, oh, it's not like watching a travel show where it's meant to be a tourism brochure. Um, but it does give you a good sense for the people and the country and the language. I think if I went to those places, I would just not want to be in a race. I would just want to wander around yeah. at my own pace. Yeah. Okay. So at the end of each episode, we do what we're reading and what you're reading. So mom, what are you reading? Well, I'm I'm just really not reading very much right now. And I'm trying to embrace that. You had you you were kind of going through that recently too. Yeah. Um, so I it's our podcast. We can do the rules however we want. So I'm gonna talk about a podcast that I just binged, binge listened to, um, because it felt like being in the middle of a really good story. So as opposed to like, I don't know, a not a, a podcast you listen to every week. This one like had a beginning, middle, and end, and I binged it over about three or four days. And it is a true crime podcast called Your Own Backyard. And um, I I don't listen to a lot of true crime. Um, I know some people are really into that genre of podcast. I, I do one about every year or two, and then I can not do any true crime for a while. This one is really, really well done. It's very good. Um, so if you somehow missed it when it was really popular, I think it came out in late, late 2019. And then there have been a couple of updates since. Um, don't Google it. Don't look up what it's about. Just go in knowing nothing and listen to your own backyard. Highly recommend. It is a murder mystery. It is a true crime, um, but it's not particularly scary or violent. It's more of, um, I would say it's more on the crime solving aspect of it. Um, so there's, it's not very, it's not disturbing or upsetting. That's that good. Sense. I don't like any. Yeah. It, it has more to do with find evidence, evidence gathering and finding the person who did it or proving the person they think did it really did it. So it's mm-hmm. more on the forensics and the evidence gathering. Does it end with a solution? It's ongoing. It's true. Oh. So there are developed, there are, that's why I'm saying don't Google it. Um, just go listen. Um, and yeah, as true crime goes, it's not, it's not super scary or like disturbing like where it's That's giving good. you mental images that are really upsetting it's it's not that it's more about the the crime solving i would say so cool what are you reading um so for my birthday my friend got me this book called kate in waiting by becky albertalli and it was really good i have not before really been into books about high school and like the whole premise is like who has a crush on who and like just 
Yeah, like everyday high school everyday drama. Everyday high school drama. So I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but I tur- it turns out I really do like it. And so I got another book by the same author, yeah. which I'm reading right now. And didn't you get a signed copy? I did, yes. Yeah, so your friend got a hardcover signed copy from our local bookstore as a birthday gift. And um, her mom is a writer type as well. So I felt like a kindred spirit. And I love the idea of gifting books and of supporting local bookstores. So that was awesome. And yeah, you you weren't sure you were going to like it and then ended up loving it. Um, yeah. And we looked up the author's books on Common Sense Media. And most of them are 13 or 14 and up. So, you know, yeah. it is it is your age. You're reading up a little bit about high school friendship, you know, and dating and stuff within, you know, Common Sense Media says you're right on track, basically. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, we have an email from a listener with a whole bunch of what they are reading in their family. So this came from Erin, who has three girls ages seven, five, and four. And she said, we just got a new haul from our library. And this is what we're reading. So they are getting books at their local library. And she said, Cora, who is seven, is reading Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, volume two. And Lucy, who's five, is reading a Nancy Clancy Super Sleuth book. That's a mouthful. Ooh, yeah, we we liked those. Yeah, we have those. Um, those are if you have fancy Nancy lovers in your house who are preschool age, there's um early chapter books where Nancy's just a little bit older and solves mysteries. Those are really cute. And then Alice, who is four, loves Amanda Pig stories. I don't know those, Allegra. Do you? No, I've never heard of those. Okay. Um, and Aaron says they're all all they are all also into chapter book series like the the Rainbow Magic Fairies and Magic Treehouse, whatever after. Um, and so I would imagine having three girls close in age is kind of fun for that reason, because everybody is just kind of into the same type of books. And she said, even the four-year-old quote unquote reads the chapter book series. And then Erin herself just started The Searcher by Tana French and has said that she's read her, all her other novels and is one of her favorites. Well, thank you, Erin and Cora and Lucy and Alice for sending us that email. Yeah. As a reminder, you can send us what you and your kids are reading at hello at kidliteratepodcast.com. We always like getting your emails and your voicemails. And we put all of those books that you recommend right in the show notes for this episode. Um, So if you're listening and you have kids in that same age or interest area, um, it's a good way to get ideas for what to read next. Yeah. And we pretty much always get to all of the emails. So if you send us one, you'll probably end up on the show. Yay. All right, Allegra, this was fun, and we will be back in two weeks, right? Yep, see you in two weeks. Kid Literate is a production of Life Listened. Our sound engineer is Brian Thomas from Yokai Audio. You can find links to everything we mentioned at kidliteratepodcast.com, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen. Thanks! Thanks!